We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on Sunday, March 6th. Uh, it's been you know, a little bit of a crazy weekend for me personally, Yusei. How are we doing today? I am doing well. It's been crazy for me too. So yeah, just getting back into the swing of things as we go ahead and kind of you know, continue our positional previews. And I'm certainly excited because, you know, compared to the last couple of years that we've been doing this podcast, I think this is our second or third draft cycle together. I think, you know, the big thing to keep an eye on this year is just that we're going to have so much more content for all of our listeners, you know, both in terms of like the stuff that's going on the website and in podcast form. So just keep it locked into the bear report guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be continuing to uh, keep on our draft coverage as the offseason unfolds with free agency just around the corner here. Uh, the NFL Combine wrapping up today. We had uh, defensive backs going today uh, doing their workouts, but uh, it was a, a fun week, I think, when you look at the NFL Combine um, as we got to see some of these athletes really put together. I mean, athletes. I mean, you look at some of the storylines from this week. I mean, how about Jordan Davis on Georgia uh, just absolutely doing absurd workout number, putting up absurd workout numbers uh, to be 340 pounds, but and running a 4840, just ridiculous stuff. But uh, we're not talking about Jordan Davis in this podcast. Like you say, mentioned, uh, we are doing, uh, continuing, I should say, our preview series for the 2022 NFL draft. So in our first section of this, we did offensive tackles, taking a look at some of the bigger names in this class and some guys to keep an eye on. Uh, later in the draft uh, in this class for the offensive tackle position. And we figured why not continue with the theme of offensive line? You know, Ryan Poles uh, has made it clear that the offensive line is going to be priority for the Bears this offseason, uh, whether it be in the draft or in free agency in, ter- in the way that he wants to kind of 
rebuild this unit. So why not keep the theme of offensive line going as we go to the interior guys for our second episode. And uh, this matches a need for the bears, which you know, we'll continue to discuss throughout the episode here. Uh, a couple of key things uh, for the bears interior offensive line. As we get into this, uh, you know, James Daniels, a free agent, Sam Mustafer starting at center last year and Cody Whitehair really the only, only guy that was a starter under contract. So, uh, a, a position group that's a little bit in transition for the Bears here. And, you know, it should be an exciting group. You know, these guys worked out at the NFL Combine, some of these big-name guys that we're going to be talking about and, and some of these guys in general uh, for this class. Um, it's a really intriguing class when you look at it. Before we get into the specifics of this class, you said any um, takeaways from this group that you just want to go over generally for how you think this class is shaping up for the interior offensive line class. Yeah, I, you, you know, it's interesting because last year's draft class, as well as I feel like this year's draft class, kind of everyone's getting so caught up in the offensive tackles. We are certainly forgetting to give some attention to the interior offensive line. And, you know, just having watched a lot of these guys since basically August, September, October of 2021, I have to say there's a lot of really interesting names especially in this class because we know who the cream of the crop is entitled of Linderbaum from Iowa. And I, I feel like every single year that we have an Iowa offensive lineman on the draft board and a prospect, it just seems like Iowa offensive linemen are kind of becoming the norm for just being head and shoulders above the rest. But then also there's a couple guys from Boston college, like a Zion Johnson, like an Alec Winstorm, a couple Oklahoma guys, like a Tyrese Robinson, you know, Dylan Parnham from Memphis is one that when you look at Memphis, just as a program over the last couple of seasons, I mean, they've sent some good college talents to the NFL, Antonio Gibson, you know, Anthony Miller was another one that had a lot of upside as a wide receiver, but unfortunately just seemed to flame out of the league. And he, again, was a second round pick by the bears in 2018, but you know, Dylan Parham's another name. So this is, I think just overall a class where there's not only, you know, really good talent, but there's also a lot of really good experience. I mean, you have these guys like a Thayer Munford from Ohio state, who's a red shirt senior, you know, these guys like Spencer Buford from UTSA, you know, Cade Mays and Luke Fortner from Tennessee and Kentucky respectively. There's senior so just I think the level of depth but also experience in this class really kind of sticks out yeah it's a it's a, it's a deep group I think and it's going to be really exciting especially when we get to the sleepers portion of it because there's a lot of different directions I think the Bears could go in the straps in terms of addressing this which we'll obviously talk about but uh, it, it's a talented class and uh, I, I think there's a lot of versatility of guys here where if you're looking for power guys, there's a fair share of power guys in this class. If you're looking for those uh, lighter outside zone types, the Shanahan offense, which the Bears are kind of adopting, there's definitely a lot of those guys in this class as well. So uh, it's going to be a fun group. You mentioned guys like Dylan Parham. I'm sure we'll be talking about him quite a bit in this podcast today. And uh, Thayer Munford, a couple other guys here that we're going to be going to be discussing quite a bit so let's just jump right into it you said and get to our top five for this class the best of the best for uh this interior group and i'll start off with you you said uh take me through your list of the top five interior offensive linemen in this 2022 class 
I mean, I just got done praising this guy a moment ago, but number one, I have Tyler and Linderbaum from Iowa. I think heads down the best interior offensive lineman in this draft class. You look at someone who traditionally has been a center at Iowa, but when you look at these Iowa players, they are able to play both especially on the interior. They can play left guard. They can play right guard, you know? So when you look at Linderbaum, just what I like about him is this is just a really smart and instinctive player. He's really tough, really strong and physical at the point of attack, you know, He's got a really good anchor too. And then I just love how mobile he is. And when we talk about, you know, some of these mobile offensive linemen, look, at the end of the day, Tyler Linderbaum is a perfect building block and a perfect fit for what the Bears are going to be running under Luke Getze. His mobility, I think, is honestly the best of all the offensive linemen in this class. That includes the interior guys as well as the tackles. And so when we look at Linderbaum overall, right, he's just, you know, is he an overly flashy athlete by any means? Not necessarily, but I think he wins with technique and he wins with instincts and smart as well as physicality and toughness, which just make him the best overall interior offensive lineman in this class. And then number two, I've got Boston College's very own Zion Johnson. You'll get a player that was a multi-year starter, you know, has really become a fixture on the and a household name on this Eagles offensive line over the last couple of years. He's tough. He's competitive. Okay. Really strong at the point of attack in terms of bringing power, really good hand technique. The hands are always where they need to be. He basically punches and forces these edge rushers in such a way in these defensive linemen to have to work even harder and harder and harder every single rep, uh, you know, every second of every single rep. And then, you know, he's played both on the inside and the outside. He does have experience playing left guard. For the NFL level, I do think his best fit is going to be at offensive guard. But Zion Johnson, a really solid player. And then, you know, you have to look at Sean Ryan from Texas A&M. Now, a and one of the really intriguing schools this year because I remember back in September, October, everyone was talking about A&M having six or seven first-round draft prospects. And we know that's not the case anymore, but one of the guys was Kenyon Green, okay? He kind of stepped into college, was basically a starter from day one, and then I think when I watch his tape as someone that's like, whatever, six foot four, 330 pounds, I like how, you know, I could see him playing pretty much left guard or right guard, or I could even see him playing right tackle. Now, some of that I think is going to be scheme dependent, but, you know, you look at a player that's got a high mobility, is basically able to... I'm sorry, high level of competitiveness, you know, is able to just really go ahead and move with ease for a guy that's his size, you know, really good hands as well. And then you just, I think from year one, two, three, and up till now, I think you continue to see the growth and just how smart of a player that he's got. Now, number four, I've got Jamari Saylor from Georgia, you know, Georgia offensive linemen are really interesting to me because they tend to have really good athleticism and then really good body control. And the biggest thing is that those guys are just real physical in the run game, which is not a surprise to see what Kirby Smart's doing, considering the level of just running back talent that Georgia's kind of sent to the NFL over the last couple of years. And, you know, Georgia's certainly a run first offense. When you have guys like Scooter Bennett, that is your quarterback and make all the difference in the world. But, you know, Jamari Saylor, 
again, you know, really tough, really, really solid anchor. I think when we talk about Sailor's anchor, it is the most underrated aspect of his game simply because when you look at some of the other top offensive linemen in this class, as well as some of the sleepers, I don't think we're giving Sailor enough love. And then, you know, occasionally I do see a team kind of experimenting with him in terms of what sort of versatility does he bring? Can he be a left or right guard? Yeah. Could a team decide to kick him out to tackle, see how it goes there? I certainly see that happening. And then the last guy I have is actually from UCLA, which is Sean Ryan. Now, Sean Ryan being a guy who's like, whatever, six foot five, six foot six, you know, he primarily did play left tackle for the Bruins, but I think at the next level, he's going to have to just kick inside because he does have some good mobility. He's got some good body control, but he, he's one of those more intriguing names because I don't think he's he's good enough to be a top five player in this class. Whether he's good enough to start right away from day one and make a noticeable impact compared to some of his other peers, I'm not necessarily sure. You know, he's good when it comes to pass protection. I think a pretty okay run block or two, but you know, at the next level, the reason I see him being guarded is just that's just the vibe I kind of get from watching his skill set. You know, his hands are sometimes a bit off, but nonetheless, a player who I think just has to refine a bit here and there for him to really be able to become a solid NFL starter. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think uh, when you look at top five here, we have a couple of similarities here and a couple of differences. So I'll touch on a couple of guys that aren't in my top five, but I just want to touch on uh, some of the things I like about some of the guys you mentioned. Uh, Sailor, for one, uh, the thing about him is I'm not sure if he's a scheme fit for an outside zone scheme like uh, the Bears going to be running, but a very strong, very thickly built guy, very powerful in the run game. So if your team is looking for that Mueller type, uh, you know, I think Juan Castillo would have loved to have a guy like Sailor in there for to be his guard because he loves those big, nasty guys. And, and Sailor uh, kind of fits that description. But in terms of getting into my top five here, our top threes are pretty similar. When you look at, I have Tyler Linderbaum one. Uh, I have Zion Johnson two, and then Kenyon Green at number three. So when I look at Linderbaum, I'll start with him because uh, you mentioned he is the clear-cut best interior offensive lineman in this class for me as well. Um, and, you know, for a while there, you know, I was considering giving him a potentially uh, an early first round, almost generational grade for him as a center prospect because his tape was that dang good. Now, there are some concerns about Linderbaum. Uh, he 
measured at the combine with well below average length. I think his arms were about 30 to 31 inches, which, you know, centers typically aren't as long as your guards and tackles, but still very concerning. Arm length is very important for an offensive lineman because it allows you to get that first punch on the, on the defensive lineman first. And, you know, if you have short arms, it allows, it makes it easier for these longer defensive tackles to get into your chest and, uh, use their length, length against you and then push you back into the pocket. So uh, it's all leverage game there. It's all about getting that first contact on the, on the defensive player. So that is a bit of concern. But you look at every single other aspect of Leonard Baum's game. Um, I mean, this guy's got elite movement skills for the position. I think he's a perfect center for an outside zone scheme where you get him on the move in that uh, stretch run game, uh, get him to the second level where he can get on those linebackers. And um, I, I, there are some crazy blocks he put on tape at Iowa where he's taking on two, three defensive players on the same play and getting them out of the hole. I mean, it's phenomenal stuff that he brings to the table. He's good in pass protection as well. Like I said, um, you know, I, I was considering giving him an early first round grade up until that arm length came out because I wanted to see what his measurable measurables were first before kind of finalizing thing and the arm length I will ding him on. But other than that, uh, he's as good as it gets as a prospect. I don't know where he'll go on draft day. There are um, some rumors that he might fall out of the first round because of that arm length issue. Um, but I mean, if he does, I mean, I hope that he falls to the bears at 39. I tell you that because uh, this guy's going to be a really dang good pro and he's one of the better center prospects to come into the draft in a very long time. He's right up there with the Creed Humphrey who came out of the draft last year and was phenomenal as a rookie. Um, so Linderbaum, very excited to see where he goes on draft night because that'll be one of the bigger storylines, I think, in this upcoming draft. Uh, Zion Johnson for number two for me. I, I think the big thing about him is versatility. I think he's a guy who can play all five positions on the offensive line. He played left guard and left tackle at Boston College and was pretty dang good at both of them. And I think you mentioned it before, but uh, the thing about Zion Johnson is that this guy is technically fundamentally sound and a very good athlete for the position. He's got a well-built frame, um, well-proportioned all throughout. And I mean, look at him at the senior bowl, just doing a nice job of mirroring and pass protection. His hands placement is pitch perfect. It's exactly what you want. He gets inside your chest, inside the shoulder pads. Um, and once he gets a hold of you, he's not letting go. So uh, his anchor is one of the best in this class. I mean, Zion Johnson, he's a complete package. I compare him a lot to an Elton Jenkins, uh, the Green Bay Packers, you know, big, strong, athletic, easy mover who has great technique and very versatile to play up and down the line, line uh, the offensive line for you. So Zion Johnson, love him. I think he's a first round talent as a prospect as well. And then Kenyon Green, he's my last first round talent for these interior guys. Um, big physical run blocker. And again, another guy who's got that versatility you want. He can play guard, but also you can try him on a tackle and see if you can work there. Now, the thing with Green is that while he's a great run blocker, his pass protection does still need some work. So he's can struggle the mirror a little bit in pass protection. Uh, you know, he needs some work with his footwork and, and hand placement, but uh, the physical tools are, are pretty apparent. There is some worry about, you know, he didn't test quite as well as I think we expected him to at the combine. So uh, I, I do worry about his functional athleticism going to, the, going to the next level and whether, you know, he'd be a fit in a lot of different run blocking schemes. But I mean, this guy, uh, he's pretty dang good. Uh, and I, I certainly think he's worthy of a first round pick, whether he's a guard or a tackle. I think he's a better fit at guard. But again, if you're looking for that Mahler type of uh, offensive lineman, he's one of those guys you want to go for in the first round to early second round. And then we get into my fourth guy here, 
Uh, I'm going to go with Tyler Smith out of UTSA. And he, he's my fourth guy for a reason. Um, he is someone who's steadily jumped up draft boards throughout the draft process. If you look at mock draft simulators early on in this thing, uh, as early as reason as a couple of months ago, uh, even a month ago, you know, he was a guy that you could get on day three of some of your mock drafts and, you know, a guy that um, would be a great value at day three, but as more tape has come out and now that he, he got to the combine and he absolutely killed it in his testing and his workout, the combine, uh, there's a lot of first round hype for Tyler Smith going into uh, this draft. You know, I'm not as high on him as a first round pick, um, but certainly I think he's well-deserving of a second to third round pick in this draft class. And what I like about Smith is that he is a, a ball of clay that can be molded into, I think, an absolute star at the position. But he's got a little bit of a way to go, which is why I don't think he's quite a lot to be a first round pick as of yet. But uh, the, the main thing that stands out for me is that this guy's big, he's physical, and, and he plays mean in both the run game and in pass protection. He is not passive in pass protection. He's looking to get uh, his matchup on the ground every single rep, which you'd absolutely love about him. And it's different from a guy like Trevor Penning, who Trevor Penning, you know, bit of an asshole, and he, and he kind of, you know, goes over the line at times. Really, a lot of the time, he goes over the line. Tyler Smith has, does a good job of playing physical within the structure of the play and, and not going over the line, so to speak. So he's going to get you on the ground. He's looking to be physical. He's looking to get mean, but he doesn't go over the board too much. You know, it's still very controlled aggression, I think. And that's something that I really like about uh, Teller Smith and his game. And another thing about him is that he's a very good athlete. You know, this guy's six foot five, uh, 320 pounds. He played left tackle last year and he did a good job there, but you know, his best place is at guard where I think he can use that athleticism uh, a little bit more to get to the second level. And he can play in a lot of different schemes. He can play in inside zone and gap schemes where he can use that power to his advantage. But I also think he'd be almost a cheat code in outside zone schemes because he has the mobility to get on the move and get to the second level. And with his length and natural size and power, uh, he can overwhelm dudes on the move once he gets his technique uh, figured out. So, I mean, the final piece of the puzzle for him is working on that technique. You know, we talk about the run game, but I, I think especially in pass pro, he needs a lot of work there. Um, you know, especially if, if you were a left tackle, uh, I think he would be not draftable in the first three rounds of this draft because he just is not ready to play at all as a left tackle. As a guard, I think some of those issues in pass protection can be nullified a little bit in terms of the technique work, the footwork that needs uh, pretty much to be overhauled. Um, but I, I, there is some work to do here. But if, if you can get into the right situation with the right coaching staff, uh, you could have a superstar here because he's got all the physical tools you want. He's a great athlete. He's big. He plays big. He's not afraid to be physical. He's not play, afraid to be mean. And I, I think uh, there's a ton of upside with him. And his best football is going forward here. I think his best football is coming up in the NFL. And I, I think, you know, he's going to be an offensive line coach's dream because there's just so much to work with here and if he if, if you can get him and push him the right way uh you can have a great player and then to round up my top five uh a guy we talked about at the beginning of the podcast i have dylan parham out of memphis as my top as my fifth guy uh, for this offensive line class and you know dylan parham uh interesting player he's a little bit undersized i think he's only six foot two six foot three uh, for an offensive lineman that's very short uh, but you know, it actually kind of helps him in a way because uh, it helps him with leverage. You know, he, it's very hard for him to lose leverage 
in pass protection and get blown back into the lap of the quarterback because you know, he's got that low center of gravity. He can stand his ground. And, uh, you know, even though he's a shorter guy, he's not a small guy, so to speak. You know, he's got a very well put together frame and he's got a very strong lower body. He can withstand power rushes. He can withstand bull rushes against uh, larger players. So he's, he's, he's somebody where you look at him coming off the bus and you say, okay, I'm kind of afraid about what, you know, his pass protection could be because he could be a liability there. And it wasn't an issue at Memphis. Uh, he played in a inside zone gap heavy scheme at Memphis where there was a lot of uh, pass protection for him and he was just fine in pass protection there. So I'm not too worried about that. If you look at his tape against Houston, where he matched up against Logan Hall quite a bit, one of the top interior rushers in this draft class, uh, Parham had himself a very nice day against Logan Hall containing him. So I'm not worried about that, but the exciting thing about Parham is that he's a good athlete uh, for the position. He's got good mirror ability and pass protection, very quick feet, uh, very light feet, uh, getting on the move in the outside zone run game. It didn't do it a ton at Memphis. Again, they were more of an inside zone gap scheme, but I think he would be a great fit as a center in an outside zone offense where, you know, he, again, smaller guy, but get him in space a little bit more where he can, does a, he does a really nice job of getting a position, working on his angles and getting in the right spot uh, to clear guys out of the hole. So Dylan Parham, uh, I'm very, uh, very high on his game. I see him as a late round two to early round three prospect. Again, I think some teams are going to be turned off by his height. And while he's a good athlete, he's not an elite athlete by any means, but he's just a very well-rounded, solid, technically sound player. And I think he's going to be a star in the NFL for a very long time. Uh, so moving on from our top five guys here, let's get into the nitty gritty of some of these later on guys that I think uh, could surprise a lot of us as, as sleepers here. So you say, let's go to you here. Who are some of your top sleepers in this draft class for the interior offensive line? Yeah. So kind of the first guy that comes to my mind is actually your fifth guy, Dylan Parnum. You know, you will get a player who is a bit undersized to play the offensive line position, but then you also kind of look at, his experience playing linebacker and tight end in high school, I thought that it's one of the things that's very clear to me right now is that Parham still just seems to be relatively new to playing the offensive line position. Obviously, the size is something he can't control, but then, you know, I think that there are things that he can control, right? Like, you like how quick he is with his hands, you know, you like how lean he is, how kind of, you know, look at his anchor, you know, it's really solid there too. I mean, he really, he essentially uses his functional strength. And I think his functional strength is one of his biggest strengths when it comes to the anchor and the power at the point of attack. But, you know, looking at kind of his football IQ, I think that he's got a long way to go if he's going to go ahead and improve. I understand there's some versatility to his game. So this is a player that clearly the Tigers coaching staff kind of looked at and saw and said, okay, he may be limited in some capacities, maybe undersized, but we're going to go ahead and just move him all over the place. And then when you just look at him from the perspective of his balance, I think, yeah, he is able to kind of take some big hits and post some big hits too, and then just be able to continue to stay upright and keep moving. So ultimately, you know, when I look at Dylan Parnham, I see a really solid player who I think had he had just another year or two of actual experience kind of playing center and offensive line dating back to high school, you certainly would have seen a player that a lot more people would be high on. And then, you know, the second guy that I have that I like to label as a sleeper pick is Tyrese 
Robinson from Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma offensive linemen, they've sent their fair share of guys to the NFL over the last couple of years. You know, he started for the Sooners basically for three or four consecutive seasons. And when you look at him, he was, I think, without a doubt over the last couple of seasons, he's been one of their best offensive linemen. You know, he's played, I know in 2021, they had some issues on the offense irrespective of the quarterback, I should say. They kind of move Robinson out to right tackle. Certainly he's shown he can play there. I don't think he's got the hand length, I'm sorry, the arm length to be able to play a right tackle going into the NFL. I think it's kind of going to limit him to playing guard. But ultimately, when you look at him, right, there are times where what tends to happen is this defender's bring about counter moves and they use them on Robinson. He kind of has trouble with those, but then he is really tough. Okay. in kind of Oklahoma zone run under Lincoln Riley, the zone run scheme, by the way, I should kind of say just to clarify is that he's really good when it comes to taking on singular blockers at the point of attack. When you look at him, right. His experience, I think playing right tackle, playing on the right side of the line, really helped him just as a guard and then when you look at kind of his hand technique it's not really good sometimes he's a bit too far out on some of these defenders which does leave his chest open so he's going to struggle with some of those speed to power edge rushers but um ultimately i think that there's one or two things that he's just gonna have to clean up and then he is someone that i would look at and say he's not going to be a starter year one but tyrese robinson's a name to keep an eye on as a low risk high reward kind of prospect whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I think Tyrus Robinson, he's got an intriguing skill set as well. And he's been a guy that's on my radar as a day three uh, selection potentially for the Bears, um, depending on what they see in their offensive linemen. Now, as for me, I got a couple guys here that kind of fit the mold of what I think the Bears are going to be looking for, which is that outside zone kind of undersized uh, lineman here that can get on the move with good athleticism. And uh, the first guy I'll mention here is Cole Strange. Um, you know, Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. I was considering putting him in the putting him in the top five actually because I loved his tape so much. He's he's one of my draft crushes in this draft cycle. Um, I I absolutely love his game as as a uh, guard or center. You got a lot of time at center at the Senior Bowl. So looking at Strange's background, this is a guy who's been a long time starter for Chattanooga. I think he was there for five years. I could five six years. He was there for a long time. So this is a very experienced player. Um, he knows how to play angles very well. He gets, he knows how to just get in the way of uh, defensive players in his assignments. 
and make sure that they cannot get to the hole. He may not blow them off the ball necessarily consistently, but he's going to make sure that they're walled off and not getting into the hole where the running back is supposed to go in the run game. And he just has very good spatial awareness for that stuff. So that was the first thing that stuck out to me. Um, very well-positioned player, fundamentally sound, does a very nice job with his hands in the run game, um, just knows where he's at at all times. And I really appreciate that. Um, another thing about him is that he's a great athlete. His play strength is above average, in my opinion. Um, again, he's not a consistent mover, but you know when he does, he, he can move people and he, and he can't sustain blocks for a very long time when you get him out in space against these linebackers and some of these smaller guys on the move. Um, he tested well at the combine uh, over this past weekend. And I, I think it's a very underrated part of his game because, uh, you know, you look at him again, kind of a, not a smaller guy, but definitely not the big Mueller type of, of player that you'd expect. And he makes up for it, I think, by being a, a very good athlete. Um, again, very good fit in the outside zone run scheme where he can get on the move and uh, just do a nice job of walling off defense, defensive players in the gap uh, to spring big runs. Uh, in the run game so he's been a guy that's been billed as a day three player but I had a second to third round grade on him when I looked at him and I see him a lot of mock drafts right now going um, in the fourth round wouldn't surprise me whatsoever for him to sneak into third round into the third round at this rate Um, I think he's a guy who's been steadily rising up teams draft boards throughout this process he killed at the combine Um, you know he's got a very well proportioned frame uh, for the position he actually did a really nice job with the bench press too uh, which has uh, kind of been overlooked. I think he had 31 reps in the bench press. So this guy's strong. He's not just an undersized um, athlete. This is a guy who, you know, has good length, 33 inch arms, which is pretty good length for a guard. Uh, I think he's about six foot five, 307 pounds. So that's pretty good size for this type of scheme that you're looking at here, uh, much bigger than some of these other guys. Um, again, and I, I think when you look at Ryan Poles and what he's emphasized here in, uh, when talking about offensive line, he talks about weight density and uh, fat percentage. You look at Cole Strange, well-proportioned frame, but a very, um, I wouldn't say linear frame, but a very, you, you can tell that there's not a lot of body fat on him. It's it's mostly muscle that's on him. Um, you look at the weight that he does have. So um, Cole Strange, I think there's a lot of untapped potential here, even though he is an older player, an older prospect, and that might be something that goes against him for a lot of these teams that they don't want to draft a, an older prospect. Um, but I, I think you're getting a starter here uh, from day one. I, I really like his game. And if he somehow falls to day three, uh, the Bears, I mean, they have to get this guy because he, he'd be a great fit for what they want to do. He has versatility to play guard or center for them. And I just really love his game a lot. Uh, one more guy I'll mention here before we get to um, our overhyped prospect, uh, Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. Um, I mentioned him because, you know, he's a guy played left tackle for Wake Forest last year, another experienced player, very fundamentally sound guy. You look at his hand placement, um, always inside the chest, doesn't get out on the shoulder pads. He's not grabby, um, does a very nice job of staying within the chest of the defensive player. Again, he's another guy who's pretty short, six foot four. So he's not going to be attacked at the next level. That's for sure. Uh, he's likely going to in a two transition to guards where I'm projecting him. And again, another scheme for, for the bears here um, where undersized, but very good athlete can get on the move, um, can get into space, gets the linebackers and does a nice job of using his body as a way to get into great position 
rather than move these guys off their spot. And he can sustain blocks for a long time on the move, which is a very key part of this blocking scheme. So uh, Zach Tom, another name to watch out for, for Bears fans specifically, because I think this is the direction that they want to go with Ryan Poles um, and Luke Getzey for this offense. I think that's where they want, what they want to do. So those are two guys I'm keeping my eye on for, uh, you know, this interior offensive line group. Um, in terms of moving on to our next section here, you know, we talked about the sleepers in this class and, and some guys that we really like on day three, potentially of this draft. Um, who are some of the guys though, that you're a little bit lower on the consensus, a guy that, you know, is projected to go high in this draft, but you don't necessarily see him that way. Who's that guy for you, you said? So that guy for me, and there's only one name that really comes to mind is Chris Paul from Tulsa. I, look, when you look at kind of the majority consensus out there, I just get the feeling that a lot of people view Chris Paul as being a fourth or fifth round draft pick. Some even have him projected going in the third round, but I would go ahead and argue that Chris Paul is more so like a sixth or seventh round draft pick. You could even argue possibly an undrafted free agent. When you look at him, you know, he, again, some decent balance. You're looking at a guy that was kind of a multi-year starter for Tulsa's football program programs, played a couple spots here and there, but you know what? I, I think that he's not really the most competitive or the toughest guy out there. He's not necessarily, you know, a true mauler, which when I think when you look at his frame being, you know, six foot four, three twenty five, you would kind of get that initial impression, just looking at the measurables on kind of paper, his hands are just inconsistent all over the place, right? There's times where, okay, the hands are perfectly placed. He's stopping defensive linemen and edge rushers from kind of, you know, bull rushing to the quarterback. Other times he leaves his chest just way too open because his hands are too far out. You know, there's good enough functional strength there, but I also think that he does not have enough just strength in general to warrant kind of having the strongest anchor on the planet. And then I really don't think he's the smartest football player either. I mean, there's been times where you look at him on tape and really one of the big things I saw is he struggled kind of shutting these defensive linemen down when it came to those big blitzes that seemingly a lot of teams were throwing his way because they knew for a fact that he would go ahead and you know really struggle with those so he's a player that okay on paper the four-year starter you know and then the measurables really look nice but when you get into the nitty-gritty of his tape he's just the player that's got so much to clean up and I think more so what it is with Paul is that it's just about the football IQ because he knows how to play football. But unfortunately, he's at a position, he's at a point right now where he doesn't necessarily hone in on the details, doesn't see all the little things. And unfortunately, what it does is it really has held him back from, you know, becoming a solid, solid prospect. Yeah, it's funny going into the year, uh, Chris Paul was kind of considered the top Tulsa um, you know, offensive line prospect. And that is not the case anymore. Tyler Smith obviously overtook Chris Paul as that, as that top guy, I think, for a lot of people. And it'll be interesting to see where he goes, and it'll be interesting to see where teams view Chris Paul because he could be a tackle for some teams. He also could be a guard for some teams. So uh, that'll be interesting to see where he falls as well. Uh, for me, I went with a different direction with more of a guy from a bigger school. Uh, that's Darren Kennard out of Kentucky. So Kennard, kind of the opposite profile of a lot of the guys we talked about here. Uh, a big mauler who played right, right tackle at Kentucky, but I think his best position is at right guard the next level because 
you know, he's just not a very good mover in space and he struggles to get to his marks. He struggles in pass protection with his feet. I think he's going to really struggle against speed rushers at the next level if he does play right tackle. So, you know, Kennard, it, it was an interesting uh, evaluation for me because while he does have the profile of a big, mauler, um, physical player in the run game, you know, I did not see as much on film where I did not see him really dominate in terms of that aspect of the game as much as I want him to be or as much as he was billed as to be. And, you know, I'm I just, I, I, I left his film being a little bit underwhelming. And Kennard, he's kind of seen as a day two pick in this class or a second round guy um, for a lot of teams. And I see him more as a late third round to early fourth round talent. You know, there is something to work with there. Um, he's a, you know, I wouldn't say he's a great athlete for his size, but he's not a bad athlete necessarily. Um, but, you know, he did not test great at the combine um, relative to his size. And, you know, it, it's just a tough projection for me because I think um, teams are going to view him as a guard and, you know, that'll work out, I think, better for him moving forward. Um, but I, I, I just, I question movement skills. I question the scheme versatility for him. And in pass protection, even as a guard, I think he's going to struggle mirroring, mirroring some of these quicker interior rushers because he just does not have quick feet, does not react very quickly um, to stunts and all that stuff. Um, the game kind of moves a little bit quick for him in terms of badass things. So I, I'm, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because I think coaching will be big for Kennard because there are some things to work with here. Uh, he could have some untapped potential with the right coaching staff because uh, you know he has good length. He's got good size. His play strength is generally good, even though, like I said before, he doesn't necessarily dominate as much as you want. Um, but, you know, Kennard, a guy I'm a little bit lower on um, as it stands right now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, you say we talked about some of these uh, big name prospects here. Um, a lot of guys that we talked about here for this draft class certainly a lot of interesting names for the bears to keep up to keep tabs on because i think you know when we look at previewing you know how the bears should approach this interior offensive line uh unit in the draft um a lot of directions they could go here and i think a lot of it depends on what they do on it depends a lot on what they do in free agency because you know, we just don't know what Ryan Poles' strategy will be to address the offensive line of free agency. You know, James Daniels is a free agent. Does Ryan Poles see James Daniels as a building block where he's going to try to re-sign him, or does he let him walk in free agency? Um, if he does let James Daniels walk, is he going to go spend big on, a, on an interior guy like, you know, a veteran like a Brandon Sheriff, or maybe a guy like Brian Allen from the Rams who kind of would kind of fit that outside zone scheme that they want to run here as a center? Um is he going to go more of a band-aid route where he kind of goes for, you know, a couple of, you know, band-aid solutions, lower tier guys who can come in on cheap short-term deals and, um, you know, kind of provide them a little bit of stability there. You know, how does he view Cody White here? Is he a center? Is he a guard? Is he going to cut Cody White here altogether? Because, you know, if you're doing a June 1st cut, you could save some. I don't think the direction that's, that they're going to go because, just doesn't make sense at this point with the way that Cody's uh, Whitehair's contract is structured. But 
I, I digress. I don't think Cody Whitehair, unless he bounces back next season, is necessarily going to be a part of this team's long-term plan. So uh, it seems like uh, the Bears could be in for another reshuffling of the offensive line. Um, how do you think Poles is going to attack this group in the drafts and really the offseason as a whole as we get down to it? I think the offseason as a whole is just the bigger picture because you mentioned a couple of these guys in – free agency like a Brian Allen I believe you know Ryan Jensen is supposed to at free agency too I know that Brandon Sheriff's kind of the big fish that a lot of Bears fans have had their eyes on for the last couple seasons but again he just doesn't have would having Brandon Sheriff on this team shore up the O-line yeah but at the end of the day you know from a financial perspective I don't think the Bears are going to commit that much money to a guy like a Brandon Sheriff you know a guy like a Ryan Jensen or Brian Allen I could certainly see happening especially if their cap hits and their market and price tag is significantly lower than you know what it was originally expected to be listen what needs to happen is this is I think it also starts and ends with James Daniels because if you decide I'm going to bring James Daniels back and I do think James Daniels is a fit under Luke Getze with his mobility as well as just his athleticism and ability to kind of get outside on the edge so if you bring James Daniels back you know you have your left guard of the future you know what you do at center is possibly sliding Cody White here there just at this point as a stopgap solution because there's no point in necessarily cutting Cody White here unless you are able to find someone or a player that is a significant upgrade over Cody White here and then ultimately you look at the right guard you know I could very well see Larry Bourne playing there but then also let's just say that that is the Bears starting five in 2022 where you kind of have a left tackle left guard is James Daniels centers Cody White here right guards Larry Bourne right tackle Seven Jenkins I would still be totally in favor of drafting someone to continuously develop behind Cody White here especially in like the third, fourth, well, the team doesn't have a fourth round pick, but in like the third or the fifth round, you know, or even the sixth and seventh round, because, you know, we, for the last decade, whenever I get on a show and, you know, we talk about the Bears offensive line, it's interesting because everyone kind of talks about this team's never really had an offensive line. Well, not having an offensive line is one thing, but not having depth that's consistently being developed and just year in and year out having that depth that's able to be developed and just slide in when needed is another thing at the O-line position the Bears have really struggled with and you know I this much credit I will give to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy is that they at least went out kind of in 2019 and 2020 you know broaden guys like Sam Mustafer, Alex Bars really try Elijah Wilkinson even really tried to go ahead and just have some solid depth there but unfortunately you know they didn't develop guys like Mustafa or Alex Bars enough. And, you know, I was actually high on Mustafa and Bars too, because I'm like, these are two Notre Dame guys. There are some, you know, red flags in their game. But overall, if they add some strength, you know, if they watch more film, they can certainly go ahead and become cheap building blocks for the Bears moving forward. At the time, you know, it was a very expensive roster. And the Bears needed all the cheap young talent that they could get. And so, you know, kind of ending whatever I'm, the stuff that I'm saying here, the point I'm making is that it all starts and ends with James Daniels. And if you do decide to let James Daniels walk, then you're looking at a situation where I think you have to draft, you're going to have to draft interior offensive linemen 
And, you know, the second round would be the place to get some of these guys. Cause I have a feeling right now, you know, some of the guys that we named in the top five, like Linderbaum, I see going first in the first round, just cause I think he's that good of a prospect, but you know what? I would not be disappointed to see the bears get their hands on a guy like a Zion Johnson or a Kenny and green, because I think that those two would be really intriguing fits. Now I think Zion Johnson kind of gets the upper hand specifically because Ryan Poles has and Ian Cunningham, the assistant general manager, they were both in the ACC. We know Poles was an offensive lineman at Boston College. We know that Ian Cunningham played against Ryan Poles and was with, I believe, Virginia Tech. And so kind of those ACC connections there could make a bit of a difference here for the Bears because they're going to have more intel on Zion Johnson compared to other teams. I, I think the dream for me right now is that a Linderbaum or a Zion Johnson somehow falls to them uh, in the second round. I don't think it's going to happen. I think both are going to be first round picks when it's all said and done. Although crazier things have happened in the NFL draft. Um, I thought Creed Humphrey was going to be a lot to be the first round pick last year. and He fell nearly to the third round. So you just never know. So always keep that available. But, you know, when I'm looking at this thing from a general standpoint, you know, I, I think Ryan Poles is going to make an emphasis to address this unit in the draft. And I think uh, they're going to take multiple swings at the position here. You know, they, they kind of addressed tackle last offseason. You look at Tevin Jenkins, you know, Larry Borm, is he a long-term piece? I don't really know. Is he even a tackle moving forward? He might, they might see him as a guard, but, um, you know, they addressed a little bit of tackle last year. This is a weaker tackle class in terms of depth. So, a lot of those top guys, they're not going to be able to get, I, I don't think. So it's highly unlikely that I think they're going to be addressing tackle as much in this draft class unless they go for a guy in day three. So the interior is a spot here where this is a pretty deep class in terms of interior offensive linemen, especially for what they want to do. Now, this is a very athletic class of offensive linemen. I think they're going to take multiple shots on this group in the draft here. I think we're going to see a day two pick and a day three pick for one of the these offensive line interior guys because um you know cody whitehair getting up there in age i think they're going to try to get out of that contract next year if at all possible um because i just think they you know cody whitehair he's at this point he's an overpaid average starter along the offensive line and you know an average starter in the nfl is good it's good to have those guys but the, at that salary probably not a guy that's going to be here long term you know, will they go out and spend big on a, on a guy like Brian Allen to play center? Who knows? But either way, at least two spots long-term are, are going to be needed to fill, I think, uh, going forward here at either guard or center. So I, I, that's why I think this, uh, this is going to be a group that gets emphasized quite a bit. There were some rumors that the Bears were locked in on offensive linemen uh, at the combine in terms of who they were meeting with and who they were uh, paying attention to here. So keep in mind, uh, you know, that. You know, it's draft season, so there might be a little bit of a smokescreen there, but just keep that in mind. But uh, for me, I think, you know, starting in the second round, I think a couple of options for them. Uh, Dylan Parham, I think, is going to be in play for them in the second round here to be either a center or guard for them. I, I think they're going to love the versatility that he has and, you know, how technically sound he is. And if they're able to trade back and maybe get an additional fourth-round pick or uh, even trade back in the third round, get a later third-round pick, uh, keep an eye out for Cole Strange because I, I think he's the guy that they're going to fall in love with because of the measurables that he has, the experience that he has, and I think he's versatile enough to play center as well. I think he could be a perfect fit as an outside zone center. So 
Um, you know, I would love it if they could get a Cole Strange later on in the third round, they could trade down a little bit or early uh, in the fourth round. Um, but overall, again, I expect this position to be double dips here because I think they're going to need to find um, you know, not only some depth here, but two potential starters down the road. And again, I, I expect this position to be a heavy emphasis for Ryan Poles. Um, and you know, we'll see what happens there. But overall, you know, I hope that Linderbaum was or Zion Johnson is there for them. I really do. I don't see that happening. But you know, these next section of guys, uh, there are some good options here. So uh, just keep that in mind, guys. Um, you know, but we'll see what happens when it all plays out on draft day. Overall, uh, it's this is a fun class to kind of break down for this interior offensive line group. And I'm excited to see what the Bears do to address this position, not only in free agency, but the draft as well. There are a lot of different directions they can go in here. And um, it's going to give us a good idea of what Ryan Poles thinks of this offensive line and where this offense is moving forward to uh, going forward as we go to a new scheme here under Luke Getzey. All right. Well, I think that's a good point to wrap it up here for us for this episode of the Picks for Bold podcast. Uh, for all of our listeners here, make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe on any podcasting platform that you're listening us to us on. Um, and make sure to follow us on social media on Twitter at Picks for Polls, where we're doing a ton of updates for you guys throughout the course of this draft process leading up into the drafts in April. Uh, you say it as for you, uh, where can our listeners find you on social media and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Kojol. That includes Twitter and Instagram. And then you can go ahead and check out my work on the Bear Report. I've got one or two articles dropping this week, and then it's going to be on the scouting reports for basically the next month. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to check those out for you say on the Bear Report. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Planning on getting my mock offseason for the Bears out uh, sometime this week. So going over free agency, what I think the Bears could do, uh, the draft, and how that all works together, um, looking at the future outlook of their cap space situation. Keep an eye out for that going forward. Really excited to dive into uh, this offseason for the Bears um, as my next big project here. And, of course, all the draft stuff that I got going on going to be getting into the degree of prospect scouting uh, once we get through this initial wave of free agency, because uh, that's going to be a really fun topic for us as we get closer and closer to the draft. Uh, once again, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into us uh, at Picks for Polls and on all podcasting platforms. Uh, you guys are the best and we're looking forward to having a strong spring here uh, on this podcast and at the Bear Report as, as a whole here. So uh, I want to thank you guys once again, everybody have a great week. And Bear Dollar Bears fans, let's uh, see where this goes as we get closer and closer to free agency. Have a great week, everybody.